This is Leadership in Motion with Dr. Israel Molina. Welcome to Leadership in Motion. In today's episode, we'll discuss supervising difficult people. Supervising difficult people, that's, that's a pretty good subject. And if you were promoted to a supervisor position, sometimes you may not know exactly how to deal with difficult people. Sometimes you have to understand that you have to go ahead and take action, take corrective action, maybe identify areas of training that somebody needs, or when not to take action. And that's the whole entire key. Take action, not take action. You have to make the determination of what is serious enough to take action and what is not. And as a supervisor, it's your responsibility to provide a safe working environment for your employees. And the thing about a safe working environment is not only that they can't get hurt, there's nothing there that they can that can fall on them. It's also an emotionally safe, healthy work environment. So it's up to you to maintain that balance. So when you have an employee that's a difficult employee this is that's disrupting the workplace, you have to go ahead and take action because uh, a workplace should perform work. Everybody should be able to work uh, w- without any problems whatsoever. You have to make the determination if the employee actually violated any of the company's rules, regulations, policies. So as a supervisor, you need to understand the policies and regulations of your work environment, of your business. Okay, uh, policies about absenteeism, theft, uh, the destruction of property, whether it's you know a vehicle or you know when somebody accidentally you know you know you know breaks a fax machine or whatever the case may be, find out what the policies and procedures are for your workplace. When violations occur, more often it's about absenteeism, threatening behavior, theft, violations of policies, violations of company credit card policies, reckless behavior, drinking on the job, gossip, walking off the job, and in today's work environment, computer abuse. And I've been in so many offices, customer offices, and one of the things that I always see uh, when I go into an office, somebody's on Facebook, somebody's on YouTube, somebody's, you know, I honestly don't think that that's the proper time to be on Facebook checking your 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 posts or checking what what checking in with other people. So nowadays there's a lot of companies basically creating policies that govern, hey, you can't be on Facebook or if you are going to do it, you're going to be doing it on your on your own time, on your break time during your lunch hour and stuff. Another thing too that companies are now coming up with is policies pertaining to cell phone usage. 
you know, you can't be in a meeting texting people. You can't be, you know, taking care of customers and, and texting at the same time. Or or you're on the phone with someone, you know, uh, on your cell phone. That's another thing that's going on t in today's work environment. Another problems that are coming up within our work environment that a lot of companies haven't even dealt with is these e-cigarettes. Many years ago, companies and organizations basically determined where a, an employee can actually smoke or not smoke. So they had designated smoking areas. But now with e-cigarettes, companies are, tr in fact, they're kind of falling behind. They haven't decided what regulations and policies pertain to e-cigarettes. So that's, that's, that's some of the things that can be a violation of policies. So as a supervisor, you have to go ahead and determine whether violations of policies and regulations are serious or not serious. I remember um, one time an employee was complaining when I was a supervisor that, hey, why does Joe always have to wear Hawaiian shirts? Did it really matter? Well, Joe's job didn't, didn't you know, it wasn't a, a, a job that he was out in front of customers. He wasn't giving presentations or anything. He was like a back office type of person. Nobody really saw him throughout the whole entire day until the end of the day when he, when he gets ready to leave and stuff. So his wearing a Hawaiian shirt every day really didn't matter. That's what I call the epitome of nothing. The epitome of nothing. Some employees may, may try to make it something, but in the long scheme of things, it's the epitome of nothing. So when you're a supervisor, you have to make the determination and decide whether you have to take corrective action or not take corrective action, or maybe provide training. That, that's something you have to go ahead and, and take a look at. Now, if, a, if a, an employee actually violates policies, now you have to go ahead, seriously violate policies, now you have to go ahead and actually take, take action. Now, serious offenses, like I said, it could be theft, it could be uh, threatening behavior, it could be assault in some cases. So you have to go ahead and make the determination of what is and is not a serious offense and your, your action. There are four steps that supervisors must take in corrective action. One, identify the nature of the problem. Two, clarify the reason the problem exists. Three, direct your employee so that they can correct the problem, and four, support your employee in their effort to correct the problem. Let's go back to one, identify the nature of the problem. If your employee has problems with attendance or tardiness, identify that, that problem. Clarify the reason that the problem exists. If your employee is supposed to start at 7 o'clock in the morning, but he's always wandering in at 7.15, 7.30, explain to the, them that the reason why you have to be here at 7 is so that we can load the truck, so we can go ahead and, and go out and meet the customers that have 7, 7.30 appointments, or whatever the case may be, whether it's inside the office or whatever the case may be, of why it's important that you're here at that time. 
direct your employees so that they can correct the problem. Tell your employee that you need to be here on time. You need to be here at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's basically the, the policy. And then support your employee in their efforts to correct the problem. One of the things that a lot of supervisors don't do is if they see that Joe's having a problem, he's always here at 7.15, 7.20, and he's supposed to be here at 7 o'clock, right? Immediately, they go and, and try to start corrective action. Okay, we're going to go ahead and do this, 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 you know, you know, talk about consequences without talking to the employee themselves. If all of a sudden, Joe, which was a good worker, always came on time to work all the time, all of a sudden, in the past three weeks, He's coming in about 7.15, 7.20, 7.15, Talk to the employee. You know, what's happening? Okay, is there something happening at home or something that's going on that you can't get here at 7 o'clock anymore? Oftentimes, you're going to find it's going to be something very simple. The employee may say, oh, my wife just got a job. Now I have to drop off my, my, my child at school at 7 o'clock in the morning, which makes me about 10, 15 minutes late to, to get to work. You know, work with the employee. Work with the employee. Okay, I, we can understand that, that, you know, you, you have to take care of your kids. You have to take care of your family. We understand that. Maybe you can go ahead and be a little bit more flexible. Maybe instead of starting at 7 o'clock, maybe he can go ahead and work at 7.30. Maybe stay an extra half hour late at the end of the, of the day to make up the difference. But work with the employee. One of the reasons why you want to work with employees are... Your company has invested a lot of time, energy, and money in, in employees. In some cases, in some organizations, organizations actually pay for either certification, maybe a real estate license, maybe an insurance license, maybe a CDL license, or whatever the case may be. Some of this stuff costs a lot of money. And your organization, they basically invested a lot of money and effort into training this individual for this job. And... Sure, they may have a little bit of a problem. Hey, you know what? I really can't get here any longer at 7 o'clock. i got to get here about 7.30. Be flexible. Think about it. Your return on your investment. It doesn't mean that you don't write maybe a little memo on the side. Hey, you know, Joe has to go ahead and start at 7.30 because we made, we made an agreement. He has to go ahead and drop off his kid at school at 7 o'clock. That's fine. In case somebody else later on says, hey, you know, why, why is Joe always late? You know what? There's an issue there, okay? We're taking care of that. We we have an agreement there so that it doesn't disrupt the workplace. Corrective action decision. Now, sometimes you have to go ahead and take corrective action on someone for violating the policies and regulations for a serious offense, either a threatening behavior or maybe uh, an altercation with someone. Maybe they're... Uh, they were shouting in front of customers or whatever the case may be. You have to go ahead and take corrective uh, action that might, might lead to adverse effect. So when that happens, you have to go ahead and select the time and place for discussion. If all of a sudden you have two employees shouting at each other on the workroom floor, what you need to do is, one, stop it. Two, separate the employees. Three, you need to go ahead and bring them into the office and find out what happened. Ask the first employee what happened. And they're going to go ahead and tell you, well, so-and-so did this, 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 this. Okay, really good. Take notes. 
Nice, clear, concise notes. Take those notes. Now bring in the other employee and also take good notes on what they say. The whole entire thing is that nothing, absolutely nothing exists unless it's documented. You can say, hey, you know, I talked to Joe about being late three or four times last week. Oh, when was it? I don't know. It was Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. No, th that doesn't exist. Unless you actually take precise documentation, that statement means nothing. Nothing exists unless it's written, unless it's documented. You have to have proper documentation. Now, when taking corrective action, or you're actually going to do a corrective um, discussion, state the behavior and the reason for concern, their behavior, shouting on the workroom floor. That disrupts the workroom floor. Everybody stops, and nothing, get, nothing gets done. S solicit the employee's perspective. What happened? Why did it happen? And what can we do to resolve it? Seek solutions with the employees. Well, I really don't like Joe. You know, he's very loud and belligerent. And he's always talking politics. He keeps on calling me so-and-so because I'm, you know, I believe in this party or that party or whatever the case may be and stuff, right? Seek solutions. Okay, I tell you what. Um, from now on, here's a solution. There'll be no political talk on the workroom floor. That's it. If you can't talk about your political differences in a constructive manner, then there might not, you, you can't do it. And this happens a lot, a lot of times with politics and religion. And a lot of companies nowadays have a policy that says there'll be no political talk on the working floor or religious talk on the working floor because those are two key factors that a lot of people, they have very strong opinions about. So a lot of organizations have policies doing that. Support your employee in the resolution. Okay, now you said that you're not going to do this anymore, and Joe says he's not going to do this anymore. Okay, cool. No problem. Follow up. Is anything happening that violates the agreement that they had originally about the, the conflict that they had before? When conflicts and violations of company policy occurs at the workplace, you as a supervisor have to determine the facts. One, you have to determine the seriousness of the violation or the offense. Is it a legally actionable offense? Does it create liability, a potential lawsuit? Does it threaten safety? Does it disrupt the workroom floor? Find out the seriousness of the, of the offense. Two, you have to go ahead and determine the employee's overall record, the history of complaints, performance problems. Is this person a new employee, an old employee, personal problems, attendance problems, deliberately breaking rules and regulations of an organization and stuff, right? Find out about the whole person. It could be something that, that just started to occur, something that just started happening. You know, maybe maybe Sam was a great employee for years, and all of a sudden, right, you know, he's he's really upset. He's constantly upset. Find out. And then so he started shouting, perhaps, you know, at, at a supervisor or at a, another co-employee or something. Find out what's happening. What's the root cause? Determine all the facts. 
before you start taking action on an employee. Employees must understand the situation. Employees must constantly be told about the rules and regulations of the organization, especially when it comes to violence in the workplace, sexual harassment, or creation of a hostile work environment. Employees must understand those policies and regulations. Oftentimes, a lot of companies, they basically go ahead and regulate the HR department to conduct a briefing on all the policies, rules, and regulation for an employee at the beginning of their career. Five, ten years down the way and stuff, all of a sudden everybody forgets that. Nobody reiterates the policies and regulations about perhaps sexual harassment, violence in the workplace, or, or whatever the case may be. They have to be reminded, okay, and, and assured that they know what the consequences are for violating policies and regulations, especially if it's a serious offense. And a serious offense, like we said, right, it could be something that could be potential uh, threat, a, a potential safety hazard. It could be a potential lawsuit, creates liability. You have to make sure that everybody is aware and knows and understands the company's policies and regulations and the consequences for violating those policies and regulations. And like I said, if it's something serious, you definitely have to go make documentation, take it very seriously, do everything that you have to do so that in case this results in an adverse action, an adverse action, and I used that word previously, adverse action is any action that basically results in the termination of an employee. And sometimes the documentation is necessary especially if you're going to go into mediation or you're going to be sued by the employee when the employee comes back and says, hey, you know, you were discriminated, discriminated against me and that's the reason why you did this and this and that, you fired me. But if you didn't do your documentation, you didn't clarify the policies and procedures of an organization and business, then you have nothing to stand on. If you clarify everything, and, and in some cases, and I've seen this in a lot of organizations, someone will come in from HR and say, well, this is a policy on sexual harassment in the workplace, okay, and if you do this and this and that, these are the consequences that we can terminate you, and yada, yada, yada. And that's fine. That's good. Now, here's the, here's the bottom line. Okay, we need you to go ahead and sign on this document, uh, on, on this attendance sheet, most, most likely they're not that you understand and concur with the information and affirm that all the information that you were given, you understand. You understand the consequences of your actions if you violate this. You understand the company's policy to terminate you. And that really helps out an organization later on when somebody says, well, I didn't know it was wrong to you know, slap you know, Brenda on the, on the butt as she went out the door. Uh, duh. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. So you need to go ahead and actually uh, make sure that people always know the policies and procedures and regulations of the organization and actually affirm it by signing it, signing that they, di they did understand it. And that's where a lot of supervisors and companies actually fail. Well, you said that you told these people this. When was it? When did you document it? Where's the date, time? Who actually performed the, the briefing on 
sexual harassment in the workplace or violence in the workplace. And a lot of organizations have nothing. And then so when it comes to actually taking action, especially adverse action that's going to affect the employment of an individual, they have absolutely nothing to stand on. And they open themselves to liabilities and lawsuits. So company policies and, pra and regulations have to be clear, concise, and employees have to affirm that they understand that. An incident record. An incident record or a file is something that a supervisor keeps in a folder in his office. And if, and if a supervisor has more than one employee, maybe 10, 15, I had like about 30 supervisors that reported to me. And I was, as I was, I was the manager, I would have a file on absolutely every employee. And every time I spoke to somebody about this or that, hey, you know, I really didn't like the way you talk to your employees that way. You need to go ahead and address your employees with dignity and respect. And need to do, and I would just, just give them a verbal, verbal warning. I would call it a verbal counseling, a verbal counseling rather than a verbal warning. I really don't like a verbal warning. I would actually want to counsel my, my supervisors to be better, better supervisors. But I would make a note. Okay, I talked to Ralph on this day about communicating to their, to the employees. And I would make that note and I would put it in his file so that later on down the way, if anything happens, I can take a look. Well, you know what? I talked to Ralph about this two times and I had complaints from employees. Okay, now I need to go ahead and maybe bring him in for a formal you know, written warning about his attitude or behavior and stuff. So it's something, uh, an incident file is very important. It should include a summary, an incident summary of what happened. It should include discussions with the employee. It should include an action plan. Okay, well, Ralph is going to, from now on, not do this, not do that. Maybe he's going to go ahead and maybe he has anger issues or something. Maybe he needs to go ahead and take some anger management training or a briefing, or whatever the case may be. Whatever action that the employee is going to take to actually correct their violation, that is very important. One of the things that you also have to go ahead and keep in that file, too, is the follow-up. It's okay to go ahead and put the little MFRs, which is Memorandum for Record, in a person's file and say, hey, I spoke to Ralph about talking um, down to employees, humiliating, belittling employees, okay, several times. And he agreed not to ever do that again. Follow up. And write a follow up, okay. I spoke to four or five of Ralph's employees that work for him. And they tell me, oh, yes, his attitude changed and stuff. Follow up, write it down. An incident record is about things that happen in the workplace, whether it's positive or negative. I would say you know, it, it, can, it can work both ways. Later on, when you're going to go ahead and, and conduct a formal feedback or something, especially when it comes to um, appraisals or, or something like that, you can refer back to, hey, you know what? I did talk to Ralph about this and this and this. And when I followed up, he actually corrected his problems. And he's being a better supervisor. He's a more productive supervisor. He really controls his anger. Stuff like that, you can keep in that file. You can remember. You can come back and, and look at it later on, especially if something else occurs within the workplace. From time to time, as a supervisor, you may have to actually uh, conduct an investigation 
about an incident that happened on the workplace. Say, like, for example, if violence happened in the workplace and all of a sudden, okay, um, two people were fighting and somebody had to step in and break up the fight and you had to go ahead and remove somebody, then you have to go ahead and actually conduct an, an investigation. You're going to have to, one, interview employees that saw what happened, who, what, where, when, why, what happened it, during the incident, maybe an altercation, if somebody got into a fight or something. Two, you have to record all statements, names, who said what, and what they saw, and were they there, not just hearing third party. Oh, yeah, I heard that, that, that Ralph hit Joe in the mouth, yada, yada, yada. No, no, no. Who actually was there? You have to confirm and clarify all the details of the investigation. Confirm that, yes, this person was on the clock when he came in and did this, this, and that. Okay, because later on down the way, right, we said, well, you know, on Tuesday, right, you know, Ralph came in and hit and hit Joe in the mouth, whatever the case may be. And then so you look back at your records. Hey, what up? Joe wasn't even working that day. Oh, I think it must, it must have been Wednesday. No, confirm the information because all this later on is going to be documentation for adverse action that you may need to have to 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 take. Assess all the information. Well, you know. I can understand, okay, that this guy said this, this, and this, but, you know, that this happened, but he was, like, around the corner and downstairs. Yeah, sure, he was here, and then he heard that something was going on, but such the information. You know, you have to go ahead and, and do all of that and document all that, especially if you're going to wind up taking corrective action. Now, corrective action has to be, in many cases, has to be progressive action. has to be a progressive action. You just can't walk in one day and say, hey, Ralph, you're fired. Get out of here. You just can't do that. What was documentation that you have? In many organizations, corrective action, progressive corrective action, begins with an oral warning. Hey, you know, Joe, you know, you've been late a couple of times. Okay, you know, you really need to be here on time. Okay, cool. Oral warning. Okay, two, then if it, the problem keeps on persisting, you have to do a written warning. Write down what, what the violation was, what the policy was. The policy says you have to be here on time. Write it down. A written warning. Okay, um, on this date, I'm giving you a, oral, a written warning that you need to be here on time. Do you understand that? This is the policy and regulations and have the employee actually sign it. I can tell you right now, 9 out of 10 times, an employee is not going to sign it. An employee will not sign it because they understand that by signing that, it affirms that they understand the policies and regulations of the company that, hey, he has to be at work on time. And not, not too many times that they're going to really, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I'm going to sign this. No. So what happens is that you're going to need to go ahead and bring in a third party, maybe another supervisor, to come in and sit with you to acknowledge and affirm that you told Joe that he needs to be here on time, you're issuing him a letter of warning. And on the line where the employee is supposed to sign, the second supervisor can sign, employee refuse to sign, written warning. And then so that supervisor signs underneath it. And then so you sign, the as the supervisor, you sign the written warning, and you give that to the employee so that later on he has a copy. You have a witness that he refused to sign the copy. 
but the witness actually can affirm that you gave him a written warning. So after you've given the employee a oral warning about their behavior in violation of the policies and procedures and regulations, and the employee continued, and you issued a written warning to the employee stating their continued violation, the very next step is a suspension. A suspension could be anywhere between 7, 14, 30 days. And if it's a progressive action, it should actually be the least at first. Give the person a seven-day suspension. You know, when they don't get paid for seven days, they're, they're going to notice that in their paycheck. And probably mama at home is going to figure out, hey, why aren't you going to get paid for this week? Well, because I was constantly late or I did this or this and that and all that stuff, right? Okay, it's going to take an effect. And this is the person, again, comes back to work and again violates the regulation. And then so you decide, you know what, I'm going to give him a 14-day suspension, maybe a 30-day suspension. What the whole entire thing is, is that you're trying to give the employee an opportunity to correct their problem before you actually go to the last resort, and that's termination. And, and if you give the employee that many times to, to correct their, their behavior and they still haven't, then they're really not committed to your job. They're really not committed to being there. They're really not committed to doing what's right, doing what they're supposed to do. At that point, you have enough documentation for termination. And later on, and one of the things about termination, especially in today's environment with uh, uh, unemployment agencies, if you basically get terminated for your own reasons, for, because of something that you did, that could actually affect unemployment compensation. If you put down on your application for unemployment compensation that you were terminated from your job for no reason, yada, yada, and then so later on it was determined by the un unemployment compensation office that, um, well, you were terminated because you didn't go to work. You didn't do this, you didn't do that, or you violated this and that, and they gave you ample time to correct your behavior and you didn't so um, guess what that was your own reason that you got terminated so you're not eligible for unemployment compensation so not only is Joe going to be out of a job because of something that he could have controlled but now he's totally out of money because unemployment compensation is not going to pay him anything because it was his reason it was, it was because of him that he got fired now, that's progressive action, and that's how progressive action works. Oral warning, written warning, suspension, which leads to termination. Now, on serious offenses, sometimes threatening someone in the workplace, the health and safety and well-being of people in the workplace is in jeopardy. Lawsuits, maybe one of your employees you know, punched out a customer or something, that, that leads to a lawsuit and major litigation and stuff like that. An employee can be terminated right away, point blank. That's it, on the spot. They don't need progressive <laughs> corrective action. Well, Joe came in here and shot somebody, but it's okay. We gave him a warning not to do that again. Heck no. <laughs> no. There's termination right point blank at that spot. 
you know. Going postal, and uh, like I said, I've been to the post office at times. Well, at times, you know, I'm like, my God, what are you doing? Why haven't you terminated this person? This person should be terminated. Uh, case in point, I used to work for the postal service, and this one guy threatened to kill me for three days. For three days, I would I would constantly hear, yeah, I'm going to cap you. I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to go ahead, and they're going to put a toe tag on you by the end of the day and stuff. And I, I was like, oh, my God, this guy's threatening to kill me for three days. At first, I thought to myself, because he he would always come into work drunk, and the supervisor, the manager would do nothing about it and stuff. I was like, okay, um, okay, maybe tomorrow he'll, he'll, he'll be better. Then so the next day, he's still threatening to kill me, threatening to kill me. Manager, supervisor would not do anything because they were afraid of this guy. But the third day, I told the manager, hey, you know what? This is getting kind of old. This guy's been threatening to kill me for three days already, okay? And you guys haven't done anything. I need you to call, call Postal Inspection Service. And the manager said, well, you know, if uh, we find out that this is all your fault, um, you can lose your job. I can lose my job because somebody's threatening to kill me? Oh, God, give me the telephone right now. I'm going to call Postal Inspection Service right now. So what happens is, is that in the event of serious, serious violations that threaten the health, safety, and well-being of others in the workplace, termination shouldn't be up to a committee. Term termination should be right then and there. But the problem with some companies, especially in the federal government, and you heard the, the saying, it takes an act of Congress before you can actually terminate somebody in the post office. I remember talking to a postal inspection service uh, officer, and I asked, this guy's been threatened, threatening to kill not only me, but other people in the workplace. And he's still working here. He's, there's nothing going on here. And the postal inspector told me, well, until he actually does something, that's just talk. Wow. That kind of like blew my mind. So until he actually kills somebody, you're not going to remove him from the workplace. That just totally blew me away. But that's, that's how the federal government works. You know, uh, in the private sector, somebody threatens somebody. That's it. Document it. Case closed. They're out of here. And sure enough, you know, Things happen in some other organizations also where employees come back, disgruntled employees come back and, and, and do crazy things. But the thing about it is, you know, document what happened, document what happened. Being a frontline supervisor is very challenging. Dealing with difficult people is extremely challenging. But the thing about it is, is that the best thing that you can do is learn the policies, rules, regulations of your organization Hold people accountable to, to those rules and regulations so that if anything happens, that you have to take corrective actions, you know what you have to do. Don't forget, you can do either take corrective action, take no action. Like I said, no action is when somebody complains about something that's extremely trivial. Well, you know, so-and-so always leaves, leaves the coffee machine on, coffee maker on, and that's the epitome of nothing, okay? This is absolutely nothing, okay? Well, then turn off. Guess what? We're not going to have a coffee maker anymore. Thank you very much. Just darn little things that is the epitome of nothing. 
But the thing about it is as a supervisor, you're going to be wasting a lot of your time on little petty things that really doesn't amount to anything. But sometimes you have to take corrective action on serious offenses. Serious offenses. And you have to go ahead and make sure that you document everything. You talk to employees, get the facts, get everything that you need to do to make the best decision on your course of action. If it's a violation, give the opportunity, give the employee the opportunity to go ahead and correct the problem. Don't forget, you know, the employees has consequences. They can lose their job, but don't forget about the consequences of your organization. If all of a sudden, right, you just fired the guy that had the only real estate license in a real estate office, you sort of kind of, you know, put your your company, you know, in a bad situation. Or if your company needed, you know, three truck drivers with CDL licenses to, to take care of customers and all that, and you decided to go ahead and fire one of the three, what the heck happened? Think about the time, energy, money that your company invested in, in an employee. And was the violation serious enough to terminate that employee? Well, you have to make that decision. And like I said, if it's something that, that, that affects safety, health, it's a liability, lawsuit waiting to happen, yes, you took the good, good approach. You took the best action. But if it's something really trivial and minor, well, Joe was, Joe was late a couple days last week when I went ahead and fired him. You could have worked with somebody. Because let me tell you, a real estate license costs money. A CDL license costs money. Think about all the time, energy, and money that your company spent. I wish you the very best of luck as a supervisor. Um, as a supervisor uh, for, for many years, it was very challenging for me. Uh, I remember times, right, you know, seeing other supervisors not take any action. And what, what, one incident, and I just don't want to be dragging on, on this topic for too long and stuff like that. I, I was working at the post office in... Um, in New Hampshire, a processing and distribution uh, plant. And I'm not a very tall person. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm only about five foot five, maybe five foot six with my boots on. But there was these two individuals. One was about five nine, the other one was about six two, and they were having a shout match and getting into each other's face. And the other manager that was with me, he he was like about maybe six foot tall himself. He saw those two individuals shouting at each other and and almost getting into a physical altercation and he just walked the other direction i'm like okay and i walked straight towards him and got in between these two big guys and stuff right say stop that's it you over there you get over there you see me in the office some supervisors will not take action and that's the problem a lot of supervisors will not take action Maybe they fear um, the employees or whatever the case may be. Maybe they don't know the policies and regulations, but a lot of supervisors won't take action. As an effective supervisor, you need to take action because employees are going to look at what you're doing. Are you going to follow rules and regulations or are you just going to cave like that, like that manager actually did? He just walked in the other direction and let, the two, let those two continue to, to, to shout and get into each other's face. So it's very challenging to be a supervisor, and I wish you the very best of luck. And this is going to be the end of uh, my podcast for today. 
And if you'd like to drop me a line, my email is leadershipinmotion036 at gmail.com. And as always, take the lead today for a better tomorrow. This has been Leadership in Motion with Dr. Israel Molina. Please subscribe to our podcast.